How's it? This is Mundo, and you're listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 137 with my guest today, Mundo Dularet all the way from Vegas, originally from Hawaii. Mundo is actually one of the instructors at this weekend's Guitar Cloud Symposium. So I actually attended the first night last night, which is morning here in Australia, but it was definitely worth it. Now really look forward to seeing Mundo tomorrow for his module. So the opening track you are hearing today is called The Hot Club of Las Vegas, Bossa Mundo. And you'll be hearing some other parts of Mundo's playing as well throughout the podcast. So make sure you check out the link in the show notes for Mundo's YouTube channel and his True Fire channel as well about the working guitarist. So he's got a great little series there as well on how COVID killed his gig. So as well as talking about the, the event this weekend, we also go into some other stories which are really interesting. So listen in to the end. So let's go over the interview now with Mundo. I'm from Hawaii. I grew up, um, it, my mom and my auntie and my cousins, who I call sisters, I, we all grew up together. They were all hula dancers. So I grew up in that hula Hawaiian musical world. Mm. And um, I just graduated from playing the ukulele and into actually playing in shows. So I played since the age of 13, I was in shows. My parents moved to the States and uh, I stayed back home in Hawaii, but I had to come and finish my schooling. I stayed there playing in a professional show, but I came I came up to, uh, it was a Reno area in uh, Nevada and finished my schooling there and discovered rock and roll. I'd, I'd always liked it, but yeah. I, didn't know I, I didn't know I could play it. So I went from Hawaiian music to rock and roll in a backwards way. I started, started with Eddie Van Halen and found out he liked Clapton and found out Clapton liked B.B. King. So, so it's like that. And I, I was very good at... Um, the word now is transcribing, but I didn't have a word for transcribing back then. So I could listen to things and just take it apart and play it exactly like the record. I couldn't tell you what I was playing. And that was a bit embarrassing. And I started working professionally up in the Reno, Tahoe area, and I was going on the road with cover bands. And uh, I'd take any gig I could. And in, in fact, I would take, I was just telling this to Gretchen Men today, I would take jazz gigs, you know, and I found a way to read through chord charts and... <laughs> And I'd have the whatever CD to, to go along with it. And they'd ask me, what kind of what kind of chord are you playing? You know, well, that's cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm playing this one. And I'd play it. I couldn't tell you what the chord was. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't go over jazz changes. So I would play the melody and I'd kind of play around with the melody. And the joke was, I remember the first time I did this one jazz gig, This they were like, it's so refreshing to hear a guitar player play melody again. <laughs> they go, come back next week. So... But ultimately, I did feel like a big imposter. So I saved up some money and went to um, the Musicians Institute. I met Jennifer straight on and uh, got myself learnt. And then I just came back. Uh, you know, those those were rock band, cover bands. Some of them were metal um, original bands. So that was kind of what I had going for me before. When I went to MI, I studied theory, solo theory, 
country, all types of genres, which really helped me. Uh, I came back, I came back, went back on the road, went to Japan and ended up in Vegas. Vegas was interesting because I moved to Vegas to join this huge Asian superstar. And that's who I played with uh, in Australia, Burswood. Her name was Anita Sarawak. Okay. And she was a Southeast Asian superstar. She also had the house gig at Caesars Palace. So five nights, six nights a week, 48 weeks a year, we would be at Caesars Palace just kicking ass. Wow. And then the other weeks we'd be on tour and we'd be playing literally 5,000 to 30,000 seat arenas with her. And it was a beautiful cycle and we just came back and then we'd come back, this concert band would come back to this little lounge per se. You know, if, if you've never seen that room, it's pretty iconic, but it was a great 10 years. That that band was killer. From there, we um, I auditioned for a few shows. I got in this huge show called Storm and it, it was with um, Ricky Martin's management company. So if you, I don't think you'll see it anymore, but for a while, if you Google me, yeah. It says I played with Rick Martin, and that's not true. Oh, okay. With the musical director, the whole band, and the whole band was was uh, top-notch Latin Latin musicians from all these famous Latin bands as well, Mark Anthony and yeah. and uh, names I couldn't even say, Celia Cruz. And, and then they wanted me to be an Eddie Van Halen in the Latin songs that they had. So they were all pop Latin. Mm. That was fun. And uh, that that led to me getting a job for almost six years in the pit with Mamma Mia, oh, yeah. the Broadway show. Yep. And uh, and then that led me to La Rev, the dream at the Wynn Resort. And that was a beautiful job. Oh. And uh, you guys should Google it. That was, that's, the theater was made for the show. It's a water show. Oh, and right. I was just a small part of it. You can go to my YouTube channel, my name, Mundo Jullerat. I have a hard last name. So it's J-U-I-L-L-E-R, A is in Adam, T is in Tom. But uh, there, like I said, there's a series there that says COVID killed my gig. And I have a lot of footage from the show that I've taken through the years. Oh, okay. And uh, and that's kind of where we're at now. Now um, I do have the Hot Club of Las Vegas. We've been around for more than 10 years. But I would say for the last 10 years, we kind of know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's a whole genre. I'm going to, for Guitar Cloud Symposium, I'm going to break down a lot of walls that took me months or even a year. And I'm just going to tell you, this is the way to do it. Don't make this mistake that I made. Yep. Don't make this mistake that I made. I have a group. We're a modern gypsy jazz group. So we springboard off of Django Reinhardt. And then I use the, the influences and cultural experiences from all my band members, for instance, our singers from Cuba. So you're going to hear some Spanish songs. Mm. Um, our drummer, Alex Stolpa, is from Australia. Oh, He's right. a doctor percussion so we got all these, we infuse all these different rhythms in there. You got some rock from me and it's a fun group. So, so we have three CDs out and during quarantine, we've been doing these YouTube songs called Quarantunes. Oh. And, uh, and we're basically, uh, with the exception of one, we're so far, we just uh, take uh, old jangle tunes, the, the traditional ones, and we have fun with them because yeah. we do play those, but we don't record them. We're not going to beat Django Reinhardt's version. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, so that, and then, and then just, uh, I hope I'm not talking too much, no, but no. the fun story. Um, and I'll start with the joke Jennifer told me. Bob Dylan told Jennifer never to drop names. <laughs> that's the joke. Bob Dylan told me never to drop names. But when I hung out with Jeff Beck, 
which is true. He's my hero. I got to hang out with Jeff Beck because of Jennifer Benton being my teacher and mentor. There was a moment where I was alone with him in his room and, and before the whole band came back and he had a stack of CDs and I would say five or six of them were old blues, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, and the, the rest, 15, possibly 20 of them, Django Reinhardt. And I asked, Jeff, I go, so you like Django Reinhardt? I really don't, didn't know much about him. And I can't do the accent, but he just went, oh, he's my fave. <laughs> so I was like, note the self. And I started transcribing and trying going down that journey. And uh, it's all because of Jennifer Batten and Jeff Beck. I mean, do, do you find yourself as a guitarist when you have your hero, you find out who their influences are and then you go check those influences out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, exactly what you said about Eddie Van Halen, because like, he was my main influence. And then, you know, I did go back to Eric Clapton and got right into Eric Clapton and learned all these songs as well. Um, and then, yeah, B.B. King. And I think that's about as far as I went back. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, other players as well. You know, Aldo Miola was a big influence on me. Just I loved his yeah. picking technique. And then, you know, I actually grew up on classical as well. So I got right into the John Williams. So I had like a right. yeah, various styles growing up. I mean, but rock was my, my main thing. Right, right, right. I, um, I've got the best, best Al Dimiola story, if, uh, if you want to hear it. Yeah, but yeah. I also got a, t- remind me of Tommy Emmanuel of yes. the Australian. I, um, I don't know him, but my joke is I played with him on stage because this was years ago, like, more than 10 years ago, an Australian, I don't know if he's a star, I think he was a child star named John St. John. He played accordion. Anyway, he came out, he came to Vegas and did three nights to show everybody that he could have a showroom gig. And that's normal. Yeah. Um, people do that, right? So he came and um, I was part of the band. They needed a, a guy who could play metal and read music. But the whole gig wasn't metal. They did all styles. Okay. And um, and they gave me a his CD. And on the CD, I didn't know who this guitarist was, but he shredded. It was an electric guitarist shredding, and it was Tommy Emmanuel yeah. on the CD. Yeah. So come concert time, we're on stage, and he drops a big screen, and there's Tommy Emmanuel on the screen. And I'm there beside Tommy and John St. John singing. And... Um, <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah. I didn't even know he played acoustic, but I, yeah. I could say I was on stage with Emmanuel. Yeah, that's right. Oh, he's incredible. I actually, I played with his brother, who's sadly passed away, but Phil Emmanuel, he was a great guitarist as well. Oh. And we did a gig, guys, oh, probably early 90s, I'd say, you know, backing up his right. band. Yeah, he was he was really good. They, they actually got an album out as well. I think it's just called Tommy and Phil. Wow. Such an inspiration and his energy and enthusiasm for music is just infectious. Yeah. I told the, at the NAMM show I was playing Tommy's Maton guitar. Yep. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. We, and, uh, we say Maton. They came, they came over, uh, the guys who worked there said, what do you think? And I go, it doesn't work. Yeah. And, you know, I t- I, and Tommy's in my hand, I go, it doesn't work. And they're like, what do you mean? And I go, I'm not, it doesn't make me play like Tommy Emmanuel. <laughs> this guitar doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> No smile. They looked at me very seriously. They go, everybody says that. 
Oh, they're great cars. But, yeah, I've got two Maytons in there. They're fantastic. Are they? Mm. Wow. Yeah, they were beautifully made. And I liked how the bout, uh, the the back bouts, upper and lower, weren't so big. So, you know, you don't have to get your arm up and over them. Yeah. yeah. It's very comfortable. Quickly, you want Al Dimiola story? Yeah, for sure. The joke's on me. I was walking into the Wynn Resort, which is a five-star resort, to go to work. And I had my I had my guitar on me. And a guy and a beautiful girl were walking uh, against me. And he just looked like the biggest caricature of Al Dimiola. <laughs> like, he was in a tux. Yeah. He had the... He looked, like, if you were going to go do a Halloween costume, you know, of Al, this guy had it spot on. And, and this guy's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And finally, I just said, as we got close, I go... Are you Al Dimiola? And he's like, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> so I met him and we were talking, and he wanted to. Either, they actually were thinking about seeing our show, and they didn't know if they had time. They were pressed for a dinner engagement, wow. and they had this beautiful lady with him in this gown. And and I, I like a fan. I said, could you could you take our picture? <laughs> and so now I'm beside Al, and um, and she's taking my picture and like I said, beautiful and dressed to the T's and Al's in the tux. And they said, they said, uh, thank you. I said goodbye. And I yeah. gave them my number in case they wanted to come see the show. Yeah. Anyway, literally just gotten married and she was in her wedding gown. Oh, well. And I was too stupid to notice that. <laughs> and that's why it was, I was just, it's Al. That's all you saw was Al Di Viola. <laughs> that's funny. <And> he, <laughs> oh, well. I tried to take apart some of the um, the Beatles stuff he's done. The picking, I have to use my fingers or hybrid picking. Yeah. I just, I he, you watch him, it's all with one pick. It's just impeccable, oh, yeah. his technique. <laughs> he's he's done a few um, gypsy jazz festivals as well. Oh, really? Yeah, sounds great doing that kind of music. Yeah. But. I've used gypsy picking working with composers very successfully because it's it's a sound yeah and uh, uh the sherlock holmes movies came out and oh the, as a famous composer he came out with um the sherlock holmes movies which is gypsy and hungarian based harmonies at times yeah. and and then i worked with not him but other composers and they were influenced by that score or other scores and I would do nothing. If it was probably a simple line, but I would use gypsy picking on that simple line okay. on an acoustic. And they're like, "That's what I'm looking for." Yeah. So, so it's far-reaching. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm really, just happy to impart any knowledge I can. Yeah. Give I'm, back. That's just a. I mean, something I haven't really done a lot of. So I'm really looking forward to you know, learning a bit more about it. I was telling Jennifer, it's almost a gateway into um, into jazz mm. for me because I play over jazz I can play over changes I've got a, I got my bebop licks but when I do it it sounds like I'm playing a bunch of bebop licks <laughs> there's not much uh, personality coming through yeah. this way I'm following over every chord I am using a lot of triads and arpeggios yep. but for some reason it seems a little more me or more honest way for that this rock guitarist can navigate through jazz at this point in my life yeah. and uh, yeah I've done that a lot as well.
fantastic. Thanks. Right. No Thank worries. you so much. Thank you, Mindo. All right, see you then. Bye. Bye.